Let's read the Word of God today. It's found in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 14. The Word of God says, When they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. This is Jesus. In verse 16, he asked them, What are you discussing with them? Notice that question. Jesus said, What are you discussing? What are you talking about? And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son who was possessed by a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams in the mouth and grinds his teeth, and he stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. They could not. It's not that they would not. They tried, but the Bible says they could not do it. Before I keep reading, I want to ask you this question. What are some things in your life, some areas you can point out that you can honestly evaluate and tell yourself I can't do it. Can we get honest in the house of God today? What area is it in your life I want you to think about that you want to see yourself set free from, you want God to do a miracle in, but if you're honest enough with yourself, you can tell yourself like this man did, the disciples could not do it. And he answered them and said, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long should I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. Let me make a long story short. As they brought him to Jesus, the boy was healed. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Bless this word, Father, as we get into it. There's so many things in our lives, Lord, we can't do, that we want to do. I don't know what that means for someone here today, but Lord, you know. But help us to understand this message today and apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. I want to speak to you this morning on a subject entitled, The Believers in Bondage. Does that make sense, that title, The Believers in Bondage? Because when you read this passage of Scripture, as I did, I realized that you could be a believer and still be in bondage. See, there's no doubt that the majority of you in this room today or listening online, you're a believer. You believe in Jesus Christ. You believe that He died and rose again. You believe that you're on your way to heaven. You believe that God is who He is and Jesus is who He is and you have given your life to Him. You've surrendered it. Why? Well, Pastor, I believe in Jesus. But here's the question. Why are so many believers today in the church still finding themselves in bondage? You see, this man, he had a son who was being attacked by an evil spirit. And he was growing tired, and he was desperate for some deliverance. And in his desperation, the Bible says that he brought him to his disciples and says, Fix him. Do something about this. 
Because I want to see my son delivered. I'm tired of this evil spirit, this demonic spirit, this devil attacking my family, attacking my child. So in faith, he brought him to the disciples and said, fix them. And wouldn't you be surprised to know that as he brought him to the disciples, nothing happened. Nothing changed. You see, because it shows me something. Nothing changed because he was bringing it to the wrong people. You see, he brought them to other believers of Jesus Christ. But the honest truth is, these disciples of Jesus, they had doubt. They were lacking faith as well. And therefore, because this man brought him to a weak source, there was no change. Because you can have complete faith. But if you put all your faith in something that is weak, nothing will happen. And that's what's happening to our culture today. The faith is not the issue. It's what we're putting our faith in that's the issue. And if you have strong faith in something weak, it will fail you. So if you have strong faith in people that are weak, they will fail you. If you have strong faith in money that is weak, it will fail you. Whatever you have faith in that is weak in this world, it will fail you. That's why he brought him to the disciples, but nothing happened because this man was not aware that those very disciples he had faith in to fix his child, they were weak in their own faith. So if you have strong faith in something weak, it will let you down. But sometimes there's another problem. We have weak faith in a strong God. Are you with me today? We serve a strong God who is able according to his power, to do the impossible. But the problem is now, it's not that I'm putting all my faith in this strong God, is that when I have this strong God in my life, the honest truth, Pastor, is my faith is weak. So we put strong faith in weak things, or we put our weak faith in a strong God. And it's no wonder that there are so many believers today who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but when they evaluate their lives, they're in bondage. They're in bondage to depression, discouragement, fear. They're, They're in bondage to addiction and sin and hatred. And the devil has full control of their lives. The only difference is they're believers. And it makes no sense. But you see, life has a way of reminding me how weak I am. And life will remind you how weak you are. And if you're going to make it in this life, you have to put strong faith in a strong God in order for God to do what is strong and impossible. But sadly, too many of us are saying, Pastor, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but my faith is weak. So you have strong faith in something weak and weak faith in someone strong. And it's no wonder today you're sitting in this church and you're still in bondage. There's many things about this story that troubled me and actually I found sad. Number one, the Bible says in verse 18, this man turns to Jesus and says about this evil spirit, whenever... It seizes him. That word seize in the Greek is a word that literally means to suddenly capture. 
And you say, well, Pastor, what's so sad about that? There's one word there that just made me so sad because I realized we're just like this man. Can you guess it? Whenever. Whenever implies that it wasn't always. In other words, when you really look close into this man's life, that child that was demon-possessed, there were some good days. There were some days that that evil spirit didn't bother him. There were some days that that evil spirit and that demon didn't grab him and capture him and seize him. There were some days that he wasn't foaming in the mouth and stiffening up and having seizures. So in other words, there were some days that everything was good, everything was fine, everything looked like it was getting better. But then there were those other days that it just seized him and all of a sudden it came back. And all of a sudden it captured me again and all of a sudden it had control over me again. And I wonder, could that be you today? Because the Bible clearly says that the word whenever means it's not all the time, it's sometimes. You know what that's called? Partial victory. Or temporary victory. It means that today is Sunday, the devil doesn't bother you. You're on your best behavior right now. You're good right now. But see, I'm worried about Monday. And you're good one day, but then the next day, you just don't know who's going to wake up. And you don't know if it's going to be the spiritual you or the flesh you. And all of a sudden, on Sunday, you're praising God, you're worshiping, you're good, you're on your best behavior, you're even nice to people. But then Monday comes and someone crosses the line and insults you or offends you, and all of a sudden, the devil's like, I'm back. And grabs you. Can I get a witness today? Because we got to stop pretending like every day we're in victory. And every day you're great. And every day is awesome. And every day I am in victory and I'm walking with the Lord. No, if you're honest with God, you're saying, Lord, I don't know who's going to wake up today. I don't know if the devil's going to take control today or not. I don't know because with me, it's a whenever situation. It means that if the wrong thing happens, the devil shows up and I'm all his Again, And there's sadly too many believers in bondage because we have accepted temporary victory when Jesus Christ died to give you the complete victory here on this earth. But you have accepted partial victory as a norm. Partial victory is not normal for a believer. Those areas in your life that you say, well, sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't, sometimes I give in, sometimes I don't. God is not pleased with that. God says, I want you to be in that place where that sin never seizes you again. Where that attitude never grabs you again. I want you to have complete and utter victory over that area of your life that the devil seems to have you in right now. Because I don't want to see believers in partial victory when they have a strong, mighty God that has the power to give you complete victory over those areas in your life. See, whenever implies partial victory. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes up, sometimes down. And I would say that's probably 100% of us in this room. Am I lying? Whenever also implies that the devil had full control. 
that when the devil decided to come back, there he was and he had you. He knows that as long as you're in church and happy and worship, oh, that's fine, but come an hour from now, come lunchtime, all I have to do is put the right sin, the right circumstance, the right problem in front of them, and in a matter of seconds, I'll seize them again. The devil knows. So that word whenever implies that it was a partial victory that this kid had, and it also implies the devil had full control to grab him whenever he wanted. Aren't you tired of that? What's sad is that he tells Jesus, he tells Jesus, I believe, I believe. See, in verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Verse 23, all things are possible. For him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. So he's a believer. But can you help me with my unbelief? I, I can't stand people like this. Make up your mind. But see, he tells Jesus, I believe. But I have unbelief. Because there are so many believers, I'm convinced are believers in bondage, are believers with partial victory, are believers who the devil still has a foothold on their lives. And you have your good days, but you have your devil days. And the bondage returns. And I'm good one minute, but then all of a sudden anger seizes me again. And I lose my temper and I hurt a lot of people. And I'm good one minute, but then bitterness seizes me again. And I'm back in it. And I'm good one day, but the next day I'm back and depression seizes me again. Addiction seizes me again. Fear seizes me again. Do you get it today? Because it means that the devil has control over your life. It's no wonder you're living in bondage and can experience the fullness of God's destiny for your life because you're giving the area to a devil that he should not even have control over. Oh, but I thought I was safe from the devil when I was saved. Where in the Bible do you see that? Even Jesus himself had a visit from the devil. And he was Jesus. You're safe from the devil. You're only safe with the devil when you're with him. Let's just get that clear. Because if I'm walking with the devil, he's not going to walk against me. So if you're, no, the devil never attacks me. Well, huh, maybe because you're walking with him. But if the devil's attacking you, you're doing something right. And it just means that you're a threat to him. That's why Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give the devil a foothold. Who he say that to? Do not give the devil an opportunity. He said that to a church of believers. What? Yeah, I wonder how many times a day are you giving the devil an opportunity? It's not that he has the opportunity, it's that you give it to him. What if you 
Just said, devil, I am not going to give you this one. Oh, I want to curse them out so bad. I want to betray them. I just want to hurt them. But devil, I'm not giving you this one. James 4, 7, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Um, This was also written to a church of believers. Do you understand now that when you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the devil still wants an opportunity with you and he still wants to fight against you? But the Bible says, don't you give him the opportunity and resist him. We have to stop thinking that this evil demonic realm is exempt from a believer's life. It is far the opposite. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, I believe that's when the devil paints a target on your back and he sends his demonic angels to attack you. Because he's trying to stop, well, I'm already saved. The devil's not after your salvation. He's after your destiny. He's after your calling. Because if you walk faithfully with God, you're going to reach more people for his kingdom. And he doesn't want that. The devil can't take your soul. That belongs to God. I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. He's after your testimony. He's after your calling. He's after your destiny. Because he knows with you, you can raise another army of the Lord. And he wants to stop you. Verse 21, Jesus asked a question. How long has this been happening? And the, the father says, his childhood meaning this kid is an adult now you know how many people in the church have childhood problems they take with them into adulthood ooh come on some of you are who you are because of your childhood There's childhood abuse in your life, childhood neglect, childhood addiction, childhood rejection that you never dealt with as a child. Why was this never dealt with when he was a child? The same reason you haven't dealt with it. And you carry it on with you to your adult life. And it's sad because it implies that this was going on for years. See, today, I'm talking about those sins that have been in your life for years. Don't pretend you don't know. Wow, what's he talking about? Those sins that you know you've made life with. It's sad because Jesus did in one day what this man couldn't do in years. One day. He was delivered. Stop telling yourself it's going to be a long time till I get over this one. I've had this addiction for years. My dad had it. My grandfather had it. And his grandfather had it. Jesus says, give me one day. Give me one day of true surrender and watch what I can do in one day in your life that you could have done without me in years. So why do believers stay in bondage? I'll tell you three quick reasons. 
Number one, verse 14 through 16. The Bible says when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them. Some scribes were arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And Jesus asked them, what are you discussing? I love this because so many reasons. There are so many reasons why believers stay in bondage. But I believe one of the main reasons that believers in Jesus Christ stay in bondage and under control of the demonic realm is because we do a lot of discussing and not a lot of deliverance. Notice that the crowd got together like this crowd. We all get together. But see, I hope that you have not limited your relationship with God to a Sunday morning discussion. Because discussion will not deliver. And too many churches are so comfortable just getting together and talking about their problems, talking about God, talking about the Bible, talking about victory, talking about healing, but talking doesn't equal walking in it. Am I right today? And today, it's so easy to find discussions on everything you're going through. You can download a podcast, you can go to a website, buy a book, read a book, write a book, know an author, whatever. And all we do is discuss and opinionate and just discuss and discuss and discuss. And I think discussing is disgusting. Because we get together, let's just talk about what we wish we could do. Let's just talk about how God could do this. I don't want to talk about what God can do in your life. I want God to do it in your life. But if you limit your relationship with God with just coming into a Sunday morning for an hour and having a little discussion, you will stay in bondage. There are too many people talking about what they want God to do and talking's not going to get you anywhere. We talk about victory. We talk about healing your marriage and making a better life for your marriage. We talk about raising godly children. We talk about getting out of debt. We talk about healing. We talk about destiny. We talk about your dream. We talk about prosperity and we talk and talk and talk and as long as they stay together simply discussing and having their opinions about this kid and why he's the way he is, that kid was going to stay the way he is. Stop talking about it and be about it. Get alone with God and say, Lord, I'm tired of the discussion. I'm tired because the devil is not threatened when you talk a good talk. That's the world we're living in today. You have all these things threatening your life, your kids, your marriage, your home, your house. And rather than fighting it, you're just going to discuss it. Pastor, I need to talk to you. No, you don't. You need to go along with God and pray. If you would do the amount of talking you do with your church, your pastor, your friends, your neighbors, whoever, if you would transfer that energy of talking to getting alone with God, you might actually see something happen. Verse 17 and 18, why do believers stay in bondage? Not only do we discuss too much, I think the Bible says here, and one of the crowds answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son possessed with an evil spirit. And it makes him mute, verse 18. 
And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and foams in the mouth and he grinds his teeth and he stiffens out. And I told the disciples, cast it out. You know, you may not see it, but I did because the Lord opened my eyes to it. This man was just blaming. He said, I brought you my son. And nothing. And I even brought him to the disciples. And nothing. He's blaming God. And he's blaming God's followers. See, a lot of times you stay in bondage. Because you want to spend so much time blaming others for why you are the way you are. And I want to tell you something, because Jesus, he doesn't defend himself. He doesn't argue back. He shows the man something he didn't see in himself. He said, listen, buddy, the problem is not me. The problem is not the disciples. The problem is not even your son. The problem is you. See, the problem that you think is a problem is not the problem. The problem because of the problem in your life is you. You see how quiet it is? Because you don't like people telling you it's your fault. But praise Jesus, I don't care what you think. Some of the physical things in your life, physical problems in your life, may be a result of a spiritual rooted issue or an influence. But see, it's so much easier to blame. It's so much easier to just Say, I am this way because of this person, because of that. I'm poor because of this and the government. I'm poor because of this person. I'm poor because of my childhood. I'm poor because of my dad. I'm suffering. I'm sick because of the doctors. I am the way I am because, and if the answer is not me, then you're blaming. And in this culture we're living in, there's so many broken homes. There's suicide at a crisis rate right now. There's abuse. There's immorality. There's addiction. And all we want to do is blame. Because blame is in our sinful nature, not our spirit. The minute sin came into this world, Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the devil. You see that blaming and excusing? Sinful. Blaming and excusing came only after the fall of man. And it's in our flesh, it's in our nature to want to avoid the situation and put it on someone else and say it's them and it's not me. And that's why you stay in bondage because you're convinced that you're not at fault. But see, Jesus showed this man the reason you're in bondage is because deep down inside you, there is unbelief and there's a lack of faith. It had nothing to do with Jesus. It had nothing to do with disciples. It even had nothing to do with the boy who was even possessed. He said, this is the reason you're in this mess and you stayed in this mess because it's your heart. It's you. Take responsibility. 
And this man does not object. He agrees with Jesus. And lastly, we stay in bondage because we want to discuss and we want to blame. But number three, verse 19. And I'll close with this one. He answered them and said, Unbelieving generation, how long should I be with you? How long should I put up with you? And I love what Jesus says here. Jesus points out the problem, unbelief. And Jesus says, bring him to me. If you read this closely, it sounds like a contradiction. Because look at verse 17. The same man said, teacher, I brought you my son. But in verse 19, Jesus says, bring me your son. But in verse 17, the guy says, I brought you my son. But in verse 19, Jesus says, bring me your son. So which one is it? Here's the truth. He never really brought him to Jesus. That's why so many believers are in bondage. Because we convince ourselves we've surrendered it to God. We convince ourselves we've surrendered our child to God, our problem to God, our sickness, our dreams to God. But the reality, God says, no, you haven't. I believe believers stay in bondage because there's a lack of true surrender. And I wonder, I said, why is it that we convince ourselves that we have given something to God, but we really haven't. And the answer is clear and amazing. Verse 23 and 24. This man said, if you can heal my son, Jesus says, if. If. There's no ifs with God. With God, it's a when. If. If you can. You see, we we say this to God because we want to sound spiritual and, oh, if it's your will. But the truth is, you're just scared it won't happen and you doubt. And you don't have the faith and the boldness to say, Lord, here it is. Do it. If. I love it. That's why Mary grabbed Jesus and says, you better go and do this miracle and bring some wine to this party. Not, hey, you think you can if, only if you want to. If. We stay in bondage because we don't bring it to God. And I think we don't bring it to God because the reality is we don't really believe it's possible. Jesus says all things are possible to him who believes. 
Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I'm a believer, I do believe, but help my unbelief. You know what this man tells Jesus? What you need to tell him if you want to get free from bondage and see miracles happen. He said, Jesus, here's the thing. I'm a believer. I believe in you. I believe you died and rose again. I'm a Christian. I believe in you. But I have doubts about your power. It's not that I have doubt about you. I have doubt about your ability. See, in other words, it's like telling God, I believe you're a healer, but I doubt you can heal me. I believe you're a provider, but I doubt you can provide for me. And I believe you have mercy and you're unforgiving, but I believe, God, you can't forgive me. I believe in what you can do, but I doubt you can do it for me. Because we just put God in this circumstance of, I know you can do it for them, and I know you can do it for them, and I know you can do it because you did it for them, but when it comes for me and my life, I have doubt because of who I am, what people have done to me, what people have told me, and the circumstances that I am. I don't doubt in you, God, but I doubt in your ability towards me. And that's why we really don't bring it to God because deep down inside we say, why even bring it to Jesus if I don't even think he's going to do it? So the problem is not the ability for Jesus to heal this man and his son. The problem is his ability to trust Jesus. I want to teach you something that just is going to change your life. If you guys want it. There's a big lie going on in the church that must be broken today. You know what gets God moving in your life? You really bring it to him. But we don't bring it to him because we doubt. And what if he doesn't do it? But what if he does? But the Bible never says, this man said, oh, okay, Jesus, I believe now. No, and Jesus says, do you believe? If you don't, I can't heal him. I need to know that you believe me. Do you believe? Yeah, yeah, I believe you. Okay, I'll heal him. You know what the Bible shows us? This man grabs his little adult son that the devil just has his grip on and as he's walking towards Jesus he's saying this is crazy it hasn't worked in years I've tried everything there's no way it's going to happen here you go Jesus the Bible never implies that this man believed but it does imply how God works. 
He gave it to Jesus while in doubt. You get it? Because the lie in the church today is you have to have 100% faith in God to move this mountain. But the Bible says, buddy, if you have a seed of faith, we have to stop thinking that if there's an ounce of doubt, God says, it's void, that's it, I can't do it. Because you're always going to have doubt. You're always going to have fear. But the Bible says God moves in those who move with fear. It's when you do it afraid, when you do it with doubt, when you do it even if you don't believe, but you still give it to him. Say, here it is, Lord. I doubt. I'm afraid. I don't think you can do it, but I'm giving it to you anyway. And God says, I'll prove you wrong. And he heals them. We got to stop this, putting this pressure on ourselves. I need to believe in God for him to work. God, rather you bring it to him in true honesty, I doubt it. But here you go. Because nowhere in the Bible does God say you need 100% faith for me to work. You don't need faith to get God to move. God loves it when you move without faith. Because it's a sign that you're trusting him. So you might be afraid. You might have doubt. What stops God from working is when you allow the emotions of fear and doubt and disbelief to stop you from giving it to God. That's why, let me prove it to you. Peter is on the boat. Peter who walked on water. Miracle, right? Yeah, because you've never done that. But you know what I love about Peter? Oh, he had the faith to step down in the boat. Yeah, and he had the faith to believe it. No, he didn't. Peter said, Lord, if, 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 say it with me, if, if it's you, because I don't know if it's you right now. And Jesus didn't say, oh, it's, Look, it's me. He just says, come. Nah, Jesus, you didn't hear me. I need to know it's you. Show me your face. Just come. Okay. I don't know if it's Jesus or not. I think it's the devil. That's what the Bible says. I think it's the devil lying to me, but I'm going to try. Oh, what is this? And he walked on water because in his doubt, he acted in faith. Oh, it doesn't stop there. Oh, King David was a giant slayer who believed that the Lord can bring down giants. No, he didn't. If David really had no fear and 100% faith, Why did homeboy bring five stones? I hate to ruin the story for you. But if he says, I'm going to knock him down with a rock, but in case I miss, let me get some four more. 
Why? Because he had doubts. Thank God he doesn't miss. But he brought four he never used. Why? Because those were four stones of doubt and fear. What if I miss? What if I don't hit him? What if he comes after me? I need a backup plan. But see, God doesn't have a backup plan. He only has his plan. But David acted in faith, even while in doubt. Sarah acted in faith, even when in doubt. She laughed at God. You're going to be a mom. (laughs) Do you see the wrinkles? Me and Abraham, we haven't, you know, in years. But she acted her faith in doubt. See, the feeling of doubt doesn't stop God. It's when you act on your doubt that stops God. So are you really going to bring it to him now? And tell God the truth, Lord, I I doubt, I I don't believe, I'm afraid, but I'm going to give it to you and you have to prove me wrong. There's one thing that this man did. Let's all stand to pray and I'm going to tell you what this man did. This man just looked at Jesus and said one word that I believe just gets God to move. He said, Lord, I believe, but help. I believe that when we tell God the truth that there's certain errors in our lives we're doubting that we need help in, deliverance is possible. If you're ready to bring something to God, knowing he will do it, what would you bring to him? Well, I invite you now today to come forward. We're going to have an altar call today. You have a child that's sick, a child that the devil has his grip on, you bring it. Don't bring the child, don't put your 